Radio. I'm Ray Burton and welcome to another Let's Talk Gardening podcast. Our mission is to provide listeners with interesting, informative topics and up-to-date information. My co-host is Faya Caro, an award-winning gardener, horticulturalist and media presenter. Faye's passion is educating people. Oh, and she loves bugs a lot too. My passion is simply beautiful, healthy gardens. And together each week, we cover many great gardening subjects. Saturday morning and here come the girls, Ray and Faye, with Let's Talk Gardening. Here we are again, gardening friends, on another spring morning. It's taken a while before we could really say that confidently, but I do think spring has arrived finally, although it has been very nippy in the afternoons and evenings in the last week, has it not? Now, the team is here, Bev Daring, John Glidden. You're with Faye and you're with Ray. The lines are open. You can email us as well, gardening at curtainfm.com.au. And a shout-out to the clever, naughty, and witty Alan Simons for his sensational playlist this morning. I enjoy Alan's music selections. And also shouting out to our cycling DJ, Jim Crinan, for his cycling update. Jim will return next Saturday morning. Faye, how are Great you? Great weather for cycling, Ray. Well, I just saw this huge entourage as I was driving here going up Great Eastern Highway. And Jim tells me it's for cycling for uh, cancer. Uh, just zillions of people out biking. So be careful around the roads uh, in that direction. And I saw a, a fellow on, I think, is it a penny farthing oh, really? amongst it all? It just looked really uh, hilarious. But they're out there uh, and they've all got their colours on and uh, they just kept coming. As I was driving, I was going against them, thankfully, but there was just zillions of them out there for a great cause and perfect morning. Sure so, is. Yeah, so oh. we are blessed. I got out early this morning, Ray. Wandered yeah. around the garden. Yeah. Oh, it's just It's the best time, right? It is. Yeah. Yes, the birds are going nuts. They There's are. birds nesting and I have found another pot with um white-browed scrub wrens nesting in it. Mm. So they're very prolific in my garden this year. I don't know if it's because I've got more small bushes and, and ground covery things. Hide in. Yeah. They tend to spend a lot of lot of time on the ground in the dense undergrowth. Yeah, yeah. And so we we ha- we are having a birdie morning, aren't we? We are. We're talking to Dr. Gronier Cleary, and she's written a book called "Why Do Birds Do That?" And there's a lot of things that we don't we know. see them do, and we don't know. And yeah, we'll get to the bottom of some of those answers today, perhaps. And, and I think that gardeners naturally segue to their interest in birds and animals and wildlife. It all goes hand in hand, doesn't it? it sure does. And so it's just a, a lovely subject. We all like to have birds in our garden. We're all fascinated, I think, by birds. I see birds when I'm out walking each day and that I haven't seen before. Go through my little bird book at home trying to find it. <laughs> You're not alone there, Ray. Yeah, yeah, no, they are absolutely fascinating. So I look forward to that interview. That's coming up at five past nine. And we've got three books to give away. We have. Isn't that fantastic? As well. And they will be sent out to you, listeners. So look forward to that. And uh, yeah, uh, coming up at five past nine. Now, we also have uh, Chris Oliver joining us in the studio. He is the master 
is he not when it comes to pruning fruit trees? He certainly is. He is In a fact, bond I, of knowledge. I was checking out my grapevines this morning that he pruned, and they're starting to show signs of fruit developing. Yeah, so. so, but a lot of moisture on the leaves. So, yeah. I'm not sure if that's due overnight or mm, interesting, mm, mm. but. Things that we have to look look out for. So powdery mildew and how to manage it. The the grapevine's putting on some whippy growth, so maybe they need thinning to create that airflow. Yeah. And yeah, lots of things to keep on top of in our gardens. Oh, you bet. It's a mm. never ending list of jobs. And the gardening show is sponsored by Desacco Mulch. Make your garden grow with Desacco Mulch. Available at all leading garden centres. All right, let's head to Butler. First call of the morning, Greg. Hi. Morning, Greg. Hi, it's Chris. Chris. Okay. Oh, hello. Okay. How can we help yeah. you, Chris? I've got a uh, local tree growing out the front. It was all seeded or seed grown. When is the best time to trim them back? Because it's now over two metres tall. Okay. Well, a lot of them are in full fruit at the moment. Is it showing any signs of flowering? Uh, it might be just at the beginning of it. Okay. So wait until it's finished fruiting. Okay. So if if it has got flowers, they may develop into fruit or alternatively, you might want to cut them off because it is a young tree. Uh, prune it to shape. If you're not worried about it fruiting, then you can cut it now, otherwise after it's flowered and fruited. And when the, um, how far can you cut them back? You can cut them back quite hard. Um, if you'd, What I would recommend is that you maintain it to a certain size because one of the, the predators that come in for the fruit, of course, is the birds. So to secure your fruit, you may decide to net it so keeping your tree to the size that you can get a net over it comfortably is probably a good idea. And it also makes it easier for picking the fruit. And um, what would be the uh, best solution for um, when the uh, fruit fly comes? Well, I have a little recipe here that I've uh, made up and, and trialled before. Something I prepared earlier. <laughs> well, it's certainly that time of year, Ray, because the, we've got fruit developing on apricot trees, mm. locusts. Some people have a lot of problem with fruit fly in their citrus and the fruit fly are around all year. Mm. They just slow down in, in the cool months, but they certainly ramp up. So a couple of baits in trees, although yours is only small. This is my so recipe. Two metres tall. Two metres tall, yeah. So a litre of hot water. A half a, tea, a half a tablespoon of cloudy ammonia, which you can get at your local supermarket. Half yeah. a teaspoon of vanilla, a hundred grams of sugar, and a teaspoon of Vegemite. So you mix all that up and you put it into three or four traps. Now I would use something like a a small plastic water bottle that you get, you know, the four hundred mil bottles. Yeah. Get some holes in the top, but not right at the top, probably about four centimetres down from the top. And that way, when yeah. the fruit fly go in, they go into the mixture. If they're still alive, they'll fly up to get out. Yeah. 
but they'll be going right to the top. So that yeah. keeps them in there. And then you can hang that up on a tree and replace it every uh, few weeks. I would also recommend hanging them away from the tree to catch any others that might be in the area. Yeah. And uh, would it be to make it more accessible to cut the centre of the tree out or...? To help it branch, yes. Yeah. Similar to what they do with apple trees and everything. Yes, yes. Opening it up and allowing light in, creating a nice framework so that the branches aren't crossing over. And, of course, remember uh, what I would recommend is the controlled release fertiliser that's got a range of trace elements, maybe a wetting agent or compost and clay, and a good mulch. Yep. Okay, then. And you should be good. Sounds like a, a yep. nice developing tree for you, Chris. It is. So I've got another two growing, but they're only uh, nine and a half a metre tall yet. So. And, Chris, if you listen to our sponsor breaks, have a listen to there and you might get some more information about fruit fly treatments as well. I will do. Thank you. Okay. Good luck. Thank you. Thank you, Tom. Have a good day. You, you too. too. Bye. Okay, 94841927. This hour, I will be giving away our $75 gift voucher up to Bigger Trees. I know we've got a lot of emails. We that have, have rang. It's that time of the year. Oh, there's a lot Rain. on. I know you're playing catch up, haven't you, Bean? Mm, yeah. For sure. And I've loaded your song too, I Am a Woman by <laughs> Helen Reddy. Faye's in one of her moods. And before we came on air, she said, Can you play a song? So it's obviously very relevant to you. It's uplifting. You need to hear it. It's just a happy song, I think. It's empowering. It gives you energy. It helps you overcome hurdles. Not that, not that I think I've got any hurdles, but oh, I think we I all like do. it. We I haven't do. heard it for a while. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll play that as well. For Thank you. you, Ray. All right. And uh, we're heading down to Byford. Hey, Joy. Nice to hear from you. Oh, good morning, ladies. How are you? Very good, oh. thanks, Joy. Good. Um, I pruned my orange tree. Now, is there anything I have to do? It's made a lot of new growth. Do I have to thin any of that out or do I just let it go? I think you can probably just let it go. As long as the framework is okay, um, yep. then, it, then it should be fine. Okay. We did it with a chainsaw. <laughs> yeah. Well, that'll make quick work of it. Well, yes, and it's coming good. I thought I'd killed it, but no, it's lovely. And just a quick one, anything new on the chilli thrip? I haven't heard a lot. Ray, do you Nothing know? new that I'm aware of, Joy. Uh, I'm not aware that it's rampant out there yet. Um, no, so I'm making the most of my roses. Well, mm. everywhere at the moment, the blooms are looking magnificent. They're healthy they are, and they're fragrance, even when you're out walking. And, you know, one prays that it might stay that way, but we have to oh, be hope. prepared. Uh, the and hotter it gets, there... the more likely they are to strike. Yeah, still no spray or anything we can use if it does hit. Well, there there are recommendations. Seasol brought out a new spray. Seasol, the brand, have brought out a new spray. I don't know a great deal about it. There are a few products on the market that you can utilise or rotate with. Yeah, and and keeping. I know we've spoken about this with you before, actually, and keeping the plants, spraying them with water under Wait. and over the leaves as as often as you can helps. Yep. Joy, in regards to having pruned with the chainsaw, the only other thing that I would suggest is you go in and have a look at the cuts. 
if yes. the the cuts are splintered, then with some sharp secateurs, just neaten them up. Okay. Okay. All right. All I'll right. do that. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Have a nice Have, day. You too. Thanks, Bye. Joy. Bye. Bye for now. And let's head to Belt Cutter. Megan, good morning. Good morning. I just want to say thank you very much to both you ladies. I got my voucher for the bigger trees. It came yesterday in the mail. Oh, oh good. Fantastic. What are you in the market for, Megan? I don't know. I, we're moving house, so I really oh. don't know. But somebody said you can get miniature lemon and miniature limes. I don't know if you can grow them in pots. Yes. Oh, yes, yes you would be able to. Oh, great. Oh, that's wonderful. And thank you very much, lady. I'll never forget. Oh, well, it would be burning a hole in my pocket if I had that voucher, Megan. I couldn't wait to get up there and spend it. But, I mean, bigger trees, they specialise in fruit trees, so you will be in business. Oh, wonderful. Thank you so much. And I bet that's not the only thing you come back with. (laughs) I'll never never forget a white sports coat and a pink carnation. Oh, good on you. (laughs) Oh, maybe get yourself a pink carnation, Megan. (laughs) I never thought of that. Oh, lovely. Oh, thank you very much. You're welcome. All right. Happy shopping. Bye-bye. Thank you. Happy, Happy listener. Yes. And, Ray, you were talking about a red flowering quince. Yes, mm. I know that Kerry has stocked them mm. and a lot of people ask for them. They're not easy to get hold of. Oh, my goodness, when they flower, this magnificent deep red. And I, I must say she's got a red quince outside her nursery and it's it's a very big bush. And I looked at that and thought, it's too big for my garden. Mm. But I've read that you can maintain the shape and I could probably manage it in mine. And when we went up to the garden in Gijiganup a few yes. weeks ago at Felicity's garden, she had it, they had it. And I thought, oh, no, I've got to have this. this so you reckon is, I should get one? I, at totally 100% belongs in your garden. Mm. It's just... And so I just... We need to see whether Kerry has them or what, you know, because certain times of the year, certain... Uh, plants become available. They mm. may not be. They may not be around at this time of the year. Since they've obviously it's... just gone through their flowering phase now, and they're finished. I think mm. they're a winter flowering, uh, and that's what makes them also very attractive to have that. Just something that's stunning in the middle of winter. Okay. All right. Yeah. Oh, it's beautiful. I have got a little pocket. Like I've, I can see too much brick wall on one side of my house, and it's between the deck and the pond. And the house, and I'm thinking, hmm. That Leave could... that with me. I'll see yeah. if she's got some. I have asked her the question, but the poor love is so busy and so run off her feet. I don't think she half the time, you know, what, what I'm asking actually even is processing. She's just a victim of her own success now. So and, and, <laughs> Fantastic. Good, and good on her as well. Okay, it will be a busy morning. And certainly Chris, once he arrives in the studio, which will be happening in the next 20 minutes, uh, this is the time for all your questions about pruning and everything around trees and fruit trees particular, um, this is your moment. Don't let your opportunity go by. Can I take this opportunity to run off a few events? There's a lot of events. Go ahead. Okay, we'll start. Uh, We've just found out this morning, uh, thanks to Lena, the president of the Orchid Society of WA, that there is a potting workshop on this weekend. It's Sunday the 16th of October, and it's on from 10 till 3 p.m., it's a highlight of the Orchid Society calendar and an excellent event for anyone wishing to learn more about potting 
and other aspects. So come on down, bring your unruly and overgrown orchids to be professionally repotted. There'll be sales of orchids, orchid-related paraphernalia, talks, displays, coffee, tea and snacks. So that sounds fantastic. And look at our next phone call. (laughs) Very good. Okay, there's more. Um, Also, Janine has sent us an email about the Naragabup Festival, which is coming up and that is on the 22nd of October so Saturday next weekend and that's Rockingham yes 10 to 3 entertainment sausage sizzle information stores stalls artisans uh, lots of things to see there they have inside an amazing reptile and marine life as well as a couple of loggerhead turtles that they are re Rehabbing, rehabilitating. Rehabilitating. Uh, But they have 1.7 hectares of land, community gardens, chooks, ducks, a goose, beehives, bush tucker trail, everything you need to know to be sustainable. So that's at the Naragabup Festival, which is on next weekend, and it is in Rockingham, uh, Rockingham Regional Environment Centre. So... Think a lot going on, and that's address. next weekend. Yes, both days or one day. The twenty second, just Saturday from okay. ten to three. And if you're heading that way, uh, an event in Mandra, nine thirty to three o'clock. We have the uh, it's thirteen Palomino Place, Greenfields, mm. and it's an open garden. What else have I got? It doesn't say the name, but I think this was Serenity Garden, Garden of Serenity, and there's no address on here. And is so. that well? That's oh, Palomino Place. Sorry, and that that is that part of Open Gardens. No, this it's one not. is this not. This is a more a private. Yes. Okay, and that's next weekend as well. This is one day only, Sunday the twenty third. Okay, so next weekend is a busy weekend. So get your diaries out, people, and and uh, that we doesn't can include the open gardens. So as, we've got that's details of them well, still so to come. Get your little uh, diaries out, mm. and we can repeat those again for you. We'll yeah. be back in a moment. Curtain Radio. It's twenty-four minutes after eight. You are tuned into Let's Talk Gardening with Ray and Faye. We'll head to Port Kennedy. Kay, how are you? Hey, Ray. Hey, Faye. How you doing? Uh, good, thanks, Kay. Good. Lovely. I'm ringing in about, I've got a bag of cow manure and a little bag of blood and bone. Now, mm. can I put them, put the blood and bone, mix it in with the cow manure and throw it all over these few little flowers that I have in the garden or is that not the right manure? Uh, you could do. Like I would add it into potting mix, but oh, okay. yeah, okay. whatever's easier for you. Okay, because I've got this. I've got the wetter soil ready to go. I've got the mulch. Good but girl. I, thought, I don't want to chuck this half bag of cow manure in the rubbish bin. No. So I thought, well, what am I going to do now? If I put it on these flowers, is it going to kill them? And no. I'm thinking, oh no, I better find out first before I do it. No, cow manure is pretty good. It's fairly okay. mild. Uh, okay. Veggies love it. Uh, dahlias and rhubarb certainly love it. Okay. But really, you could, you could just sprinkle it anywhere. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's lovely. And so the blood and bone. Very good. The hang on a minute. Sorry. Um, the blood and bone. Water first, then add your blood and bone, then All water right. in well, and right. 
don't do too much because it can burn and defoliate plants. Don't ask okay. me how I know. Okay. <laughs> okay. And, and okay. what did you say? Well, I said, I was, how's your garden going? Oh, it's blooming marvellous. Yeah. Yeah. Lovely. And I see you got a little helper, your little, I'm guessing she's your little granddaughter, little helper in the garden as well. Yes, I'm training them, Kay. Oh, that's lovely because kids of today don't know how to do any gardening because they don't like it. Oh, well, yeah, they don't exactly. know its work. I've mm. had them out tandem blowing, blower vacuuming oh, for me. Oh, lovely, lovely. So, anyway, lovely to hear, girls. And I know you was excited because I was an excited lady and I thought I love your comments, girls. Keep up the good work, Faye, and I'll keep listening. <laughs> Thanks, Kay. Good Thank on you. you. Bye. Bye. Cheers. She's a great, great scout. Our new number one fan, maybe. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, no, she's lovely. Ah, oh, where to now, right? Oh, my goodness. Well, we just had a phone in from Mary of Banjup, who yes. we do know, and I, you're a personal friend, and um, she lost her little dog through a tiger snake bite. Mm. The tiger snakes are active. Snakes are active. And she's wanting to know because she's in Banjup, and, of course, you know, it's bush. Yep. Very, very sorry to yeah. hear that, Mary. That I can't, is just Can't just think of awful. anything worse. So she wants to know, should she, you know, she wants to bring in the birds, but she would be feeling very vulnerable right now. And I know mm. this can happen. When you see your first snake sighting of the year, it's a reminder that they're out there. And you often, when you're in a space where you've seen them, that memory just comes flooding back. So for me personally, um, my thoughts are that you create wide open spaces where you your eyes can rest and you can be aware if anything's travelling through. So, you know, a, you might be more comfortable on a lawn that's mowed and there's no clutter visually of leaves and sticks. So keeping things maintained. Um, I wouldn't necessarily trim up plants, but I would keep to to spaces that are clear where paths are wide. So rather than pathways or if well keep particularly if you're starting out, you know, mm. a busy pathway that's a mix of mulch and sticks and foliage, you actually can't see anything and, mm. and with shadows coming through, mm. your eyes can be tricked. You know, you can look yeah. at what you think is a stick, but when it moves you realise it it doesn't. So one of the reasons I love the the lawn area is because if a snake was moving through, you would see it. Whereas other jungly parts of the garden, they could be hiding under undergrowth. But dugites particularly can climb and they will go up hunting rats at certain times of the year. Rats actually nest up at certain times of the year in things like stags and elks and planter pots. And I have a, a memory actually of that. Um, I... I would also, and I saw this at one of the open gardens, another reason I love visiting open gardens because you get good ideas. One of the, the gardens out at Maraginiarp had a log pile. So they had beautiful trees for the the birds. They also had this log pile and they said that since they've had that, they haven't had snakes up close to the house. Uh, because there is somewhere for the snakes to hide. Also, another thing that you want to do is be mindful of food for snakes. So once again, rats. So if you've got areas that rats are attracted to. Chicken. 
chicken, food, yeah. bird aviaries. Yeah. You get mice yeah. and rats around yeah. those areas. Right. So maintaining hygiene, keeping it clean. If you've got cocos palms, that fruit, getting them cleaned up before the the fruits developed and it was funny because two days like ago to hang out in them don't they 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 can nest in them but yeah. they feed in them yeah so the other day i was over at john's in jandakai and i said to him oh have you seen any snakes this year and he said no he, he said i think because we got rid of all the cocos palms we don't have the rats we don't have the snakes Last night I got a message from him and a, rat. a beautiful two-metre dugite was basking on the driveway. Oh, yeah. So yeah. I might have put this, the whammy on this him. This goes hand in hand with having a property. And, hey, you don't mm. have to have a property. It can, it can happen in a suburban backyard too. So, Mary, my other thought is I do know of someone who can assist with going forward. This is uh, training your dog to keep away from snakes. I'm not talking about... Shock treatments would never, ever suggest that with any animal. Um, but I do know someone that can help you, assist you with training your dog to keep away from snakes. And they they train the dogs in a very kind way. None of this shock treatment rubbish that goes on out there. Um, if you send us an email, I can respond to you. Uh, all right. We're straight back out to the lines. Let me see. Who was in first? We've got Greg. How are you? Yes, good morning, ladies. How are you? Hi. Good, thanks, Greg. Um, I've got two questions just regarding uh, one thing you were just talking about with the, with the rats. Um, out, out of curiosity, would um, I know that a few years ago the zoo used to sell zoo poo. Yes. And whether you put down the predators of the rats, whether or not you can still get that and whether that would work. Mm, there, there certainly are some... I mean, at the moment, so we, we've, we've had a lot of rats, but I've spoken to you before and you mentioned uh, a racumen. Yes. But um, my rats don't seem to take any baits whatsoever. They won't go anywhere near a trap or, a, um, you know, and I've, I've tried so many different uh, rat baits. It's not funny. And I've tried Vegemite, and, uh, uh, peanut butter, and I've tried so many different things. They won't go, they won't even touch it. They don't go anywhere near it, but... I just wonder whether uh, uh, the zoo poo may, may um, possibly keep them away. I'm not sure. Um, keep No, I'm not sure about that one. All right. I, okay. I guess once again, working out what their MO is, their mode of operation, if they're looking for food or if they're looking for shelter. Uh, yep. If it's shelter in your roof, then sealing off all your roof spaces and mm -hmm. putting putting a range of treatments because often if we try one, they get used to one. So you might have a, a trap up there, like a live trap, and you might also have some baits. Yeah, I've got plenty of baits up there at the moment, but this is all through my garden and my sheds and so on. Yeah, they, they just – I've actually um, – I have, have solved a, a few problems. I've, I've actually growing my plants um, up off the ground now in boxes. So I uh, my veggies seem, seem to be coming along all right. As soon as I put anything in the ground, they shoot up a couple of inches and a day or so later they're gone. So. But, mm, okay. Uh, but never mind. Um, no, the, the, the main question I was asking is, can you tell me if that you know of a book regarding edible plants, and I just don't mean edible plants, but uh, vegetable, fruit and veggies and so on and so on, 
that you can actually eat the whole plant, as in leaves and stems and those sorts of things. Um, because I know the Asians, of, we were actually, my wife and I were talking to a, a couple of lovely ladies from Singapore the other day, and we were, we were in a, a gourmet shop, and they were saying about, you know, when you grow vegetables, they eat the whole bloody plant. Mm. And we just waste so much of it, it's just not funny. I mean, it's yeah. good to put it in compost bin, but, I mean, you know, you, you're getting probably one-tenth of the actual... Um, the actual plant overall, I suppose. For sure. And I I know someone who has talked on this topic and we haven't had him on for a while, and that is Guy of Millbrook Winery. So I could put that on my list of future guests for you, Greg. But a book, I don't don't know, but we will see what we can find out. We often talk about edible weeds as well, Greg. Uh, yeah, my wife is actually into that at the moment. She's yeah. going through that process. But Good. just with the veggie, I'll, I'll give you an example. I know that uh, we did a cooking course in Bali many years ago and they took us to the um, to the markets and showed us what they what they eat and so on and so forth. But I know with like with, with a pumpkin, for for argument's sake, you, you, grow your, you grow your plants and you, you've got a pumpkin here, pumpkin there, and you eat the pumpkin and the rest of it you chop up, feed it to the chooks or put it in the compost bin or whatever. But They'll eat the whole bloody lot. I know. And and veggies and all. And we just waste so much produce. It's just not funny here. Good good topic. And sorry to go back to rats again, but next weekend we will be speaking to Mark from Envirapest and they handle my rat rat treatment and we've had some quite good results at our place so we can talk to him about that. I'll I'll be listening to that one then. Okay, thank you very much, ladies. All right, thanks, thanks, Greg. Yeah, good morning. Bye-bye. Bye. And Kerry from Bigger Trees is listening, and she actually has some flowering quinces available in red, pink, and white. Now, the red has to be the winner here. If you are still listening, Kerry, pop two away, one for me and one for Faye. I shall buy it for you for your belated birthday present. How's oh, that? right. Because your birthday went unnoticed because it fell midweek. <laughs> Of the week prior, and mm. uh, yes, I, I think that would be the perfect birthday present. So, oh, that's uh, I will beautiful. Give, um, Thank Kerry you. A call about that. So she has some wowie. All oh, right. Well, that's going to give me something to think about definitely. in the garden. I definitely want you to have it. Well, oh. I want me to have it too. <laughs> <laughs> You're an enabler. I am. I know. We're in Bellevue. Rosheen. Good morning. Good morning, girls. How are you? Very good. good. Thank, Thank you, you Rosheen. Excellent. Couple of questions. Um, so the first one is about I bought a jacaranda, and it's about two meters tall. So I want to get it in the, the ground. Um, now I know it likes the well-drained soil, and you know, so and and to put some, you know, good compost around it when plant it and make it a nice big hole. Any other recommendations to help it, you know, settle into the soil? Bellevue. What sort of soil have you got there is there any clay or is it all sandy um bit, bit of a mixture bit of a mixture probably more sandy than clay though i would say okay i would add some clay into the mix then and go for a big hole Roisin. not not oh, yeah. just twice the size the bigger the hole oh. uh the the bigger the plant okay and improve oh. it well so compost and clay um a soil conditioner. Yep. I've got um, soil conditioner. You can use manures. Put, um, wet the wet the hole with some wetter soil, a liquid wetter soil. 
get that in the bottom of the hole as well. Just, well, the thing is when you dig your hole and put your product in it and mix it thoroughly with the sand, so, you know, it wouldn't be too much to dig a hole that's kind of about a metre. That would that would really set it up well. And then slow-release fertiliser in the bottom. Right. And then all the goodies on top. And then put your hose in and then turn it over again. And it, it kind of makes a slurry. And yes. just make sure that it's wet. You might have to do it a couple of times to get it to wet. But at that point, you may not need a wetting agent if you've got the clay okay. in there. Right. And I tell you, you know, this year I dibbled all my roses and put slow-release fertiliser down them and they are going gangbusters. I haven't seen healthy roses like that in my garden for many years. So Right, yeah. I, I had a lot of trouble with thrip last year, like very many people did. Um, I've already been round and sprayed the roses and... Um, yeah, so I'm, I'm hoping that it will improve them and I've, I've fertilised as well. So we'll, we'll see what happens there. Um, now, the other question I had, my mandarin, I did ring you, I think, oh, last year or the year before about my mandarin tree because I had mandarins and then for a couple of years I had none. And then and I did what you said and I made an, a nice, um, you know, a heap around it and watered it and fertilised it. And then this year I ended up with so many mandarins, the rats were getting them. So, oh. so that was good. <laughs> Um, but I wanted to ask, now it's getting really tall. Can I can I now lop a bit of the top of the mandarin tree off now you, it's finished fruiting? Yes, you can selectively prune it. And the sooner you do it, the better, because we don't prune citrus in summer because they can burn. So probably okay. wait till after the 31 degree day. Oh, we're having a 31, are we? Mm, apparently. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I don't think it's going to happen this week anyway. I think I'm, I'm focusing on a few other things. So, yes. Oh, well, that's good. Yeah, because I'm thinking there's no point letting it get too big and, and then I can't even get to the mandarins at exactly. the top Exactly. Anyway. Mm-hmm. Yep. Thanks, yep. Roisin. Okay, thanks. Okay. Have a great day. You, you too. too. Bye. Cheers. Bye. And we have an orange tree question as well. Adrian, good morning. Good morning. How are you today? They're Very great. good. Thank you. Uh, I've got a quick, well, actually, my wife has given me another question to ask, but uh, our orange tree, uh, we've got uh, boretic, and I've noticed that the oranges are getting smaller year on year, and they're getting less juicy. And I was wondering, am I not doing something? I know I'm not fertilizing as often as, as I could, and I heard you mention a few months or a few weeks ago about a tree ring. I'm oh, wondering, oh. would that fix it? Well, it... It will help, Adrian. So what I would recommend uh, when your orange tree finishes fruiting, give it a cut back, okay? So we did just talk to a lady about cutting back. Now, after the 31-degree day, would be a good time to tidy it up, reduce the size of the tree. So you will potentially then get less fruit, but bigger fruit if you maintain a fertilising, watering and mulching program. Ah, wonderful. Easy. Thank you very much. And the other question that my wife has asked me, we're going to put in some carlin clay to lay some lawn in our house. Yes. And uh, we've been told that we need to compost the carlin clay as well. Well, well or not? It, they often sell a product, compost and clay. Together, you, do, yeah. you don't compost the clay. But you can get a product with both. 
And okay. for a lawn, you'd probably want it by the trailer load or bulk delivery rather than bag by yeah, bag. She, she won't be cheap. Yeah, no, look, we're looking at about 800 kilos, which is about $1,000, so... Yeah. It's an investment, Adrian. It is, it is. Yeah, well, I'm very good at killing plants in my garden, so I'm hoping this will actually make them live. Okay. <laughs> It'll so you up. compost and clay is what you add to your soil to give it a good start before laying the lawn. And I just blend it into the existing sand. I don't lay it by itself, do I? No, no, you... You turn it over, yeah. so that's, <laughs> that's another job. Wonderful. It'll build your muscles and, and save you. you. Sorry? Thank you very much, and we love listening to you. Oh, thanks, Adrian. I, I was just going to say, it'll build your muscles and save you a gym membership. <laughs> I need that as well. Thanks very much. Good okay. on you. Bye. Bye-bye. All right, we'll be back in a sec. Curtain Radio. And the gardening show is back. We have our special guest, Chris Oliver, in the studio with us. Good morning. Good morning. And we'll get a. Uh, oh. Get a... <laughs> Pull the the mic the over to you. That's all right. Mike's oh. flying in all directions. Let's there turn we go. The right way. <laughs> you need to come forward, Chris, and talk right. on top of it. Great. Yeah. Right. Right up close. Thank you. Now. We've got a $75 gift voucher up for grabs. Compliments of Kerry uh, from Bigger Trees up there in Pickering Brook. And by the way, Faye, she's already put our quinces aside. Oh, the power of radio. Thank road you. trip. Hey, a road trip. <laughs> yes, doesn't take much. And uh, okay, so the $75 gift voucher. We know Bigger Trees specialise in frangies, ornamental and fruit trees. They've got a huge display of all and it is getting warmer, which means the frangies are back and a lot of new supplies are available. They've also got a lot of new stock arriving each week with an array of rarer plants as well, which we like a lot. And you can visit Bigger Trees online by going to biggertrees.com.au. They've also got a Facebook page where you can learn and find out much, much more, uh, located in uh, Pickering Brook. It's a lovely day trip and it's not far from Perth. It's only going to take you, where are we? We're in Bentley. We'd be up there in 20 minutes. So it's not far at all now. If you'd like to win the $75 gift voucher from Bigger Trees, you haven't won a prize in the last 28 days, and you're a Curtin FM member, tick, 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 here is your question and you can phone the answer through to Bev. Johnny Cash said that a certain mode of transport named after a flower was bringing my baby back. What was it called? Johnny Cash said that a certain mode of transport named after a flower was bringing my baby back. What was it called? Give Bev a call on 94841927. And that $75 gift voucher will be on its way to you this week. Carry on. Okie doke. Well, Chris, we've got emails coming out of our ears yeah. here. Oh, wow. So very <laughs> timely to have you here. Now, recently I sent you an email about a mango. Yes. So the the photo that we had sent in was a very sick-looking yep. mango tree. Yep. Um, did I it have leaves? I got back to that lady and uh, she sent me a closer close-up of the base of the trunk and it looks like that it's got really bad canker. Oh. And the canker has just about ring barked the tree, so uh, I advised her. Sorry, but there's nothing much you, you can, can do. do. Just uh, mm. take it out and mm. uh, start again yeah, with a new plant. You have to be cruel to be yeah. kind, don't yeah, you? Yeah, you do. But mm. um, it was very bad canker, 
uh, and that's really restricting the growth of moisture and nutrients. So what causes canker? Generally, um, one of the main problems is that um, uh, most people forget that uh, they don't clean uh, enough around the base of the trunk and they leave a lot of loose um, compost material and so forth which can attract fungi and so forth and that's the main sort of contact point. So you must keep the base of the trunk of all fruit trees really, particularly evergreens as well, uh, clean. Uh, and also if you can put on a, a spray, an antifungal spray as well too, if you see any sort of slight cracks opening. And mangoes are prone, older trees, particularly to sort of slightly cracking open the bark, and that's an entry point for fungal problems. So, um, yeah, so you can actually put on a, uh, an antifungal spray and, uh, and keep the base of the trunk clean. That's the most of the thing. Keep the, just keep it. Uh, and if it's, if it's piled up, if the mulch is piled up, make sure you take it away completely. So making a, a clean, like a well a, around the base? Yeah, yeah. So it's just clean it back to probably about, you know, 20, 25 centimetres clean. Yeah. Mm, don't, okay. don't mulch right up to the base of the trunk. It's bad. And what advice have you got for people watching their mangoes now? Monitoring to see if their their flowers are going to set fruit. Yeah, just watch to see the the, the, the little um, um, premature uh, beginning of the flowers. You'll see them as they start to come, and uh, you'll notice that um, on the old growth, there's probably it dies back always at the top of the the growth. So make sure you cut that back because that can be a, a point of infection as well too. Because uh, mangoes are prone to uh, a couple of fungal problems, and uh, it's it's important just to keep them free and to give a spray, something like a, a, an antifungal spray to them at this so time of the year as what, well too. What would you call an antifungal spray? Something like lime sulphur is okay. a good one. Lime and is sulphur. that while they're in bud? While they're in bud, yeah, yeah, for sure. And just as these, the new flower buds are beginning to come and new growth is beginning to come, yeah because they can get a, 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 a fruit canker as well too, which can sort of eat in from the, the skin through. Yeah, so that, that's a, a protection thing. Okay, so folks out there with your mangoes, and what about feeding and watering? Anything special? If I, I, would rec- I would suggest that people have probably already given their mango trees some slow-release fertiliser. That's yep. what I'm telling them to do all yep. the time. Any liquids? Good or? advice. Uh, at the time, as soon as you see the new fruit beginning to form, just ensure that the water is kept up and make sure that the drainage is good too because uh, mangoes don't like sort of a lot of um, um, composted material building up and congesting the soil. Uh, the drainage must be really good so for the roots. And yeah, keep the moisture level up. Make sure that you water uh, along the drip line, just inside and outside the drip line, because that's where most of the the absorbent roots are. And uh, uh, a little bit of um, a liquid uh, fertilizer helps a lot too, just to to get through. And also a little bit of potassium uh, helps with the fruit formation and helps the, the fruit to cling as well too, yeah. Okay, and we have a prize winner as well for our Bigger Tree $75 gift voucher, Joanne from Lake Coogee. Oh, very good. Good on you, Joanne. That will be on its way to you this week. Now, the question was, Johnny Cash said that a certain mode of transport named after a flower was bringing my baby back. What was it called? 
It was called the Orange Blossom Special. Now, we do have to go to a break. When we return, we are chatting with Dania. Da- sorry. I mixed Tanya and Dianella, <laughs> and I got Dania. Tanya, and she's talking about the purchase of a snowball tree. Radio. You're with Let's Talk Gardening and our special guest in the studio with us now is Chris Oliver. And we do have a mango tree coming up. question coming up for you, Chris. Firstly, we're heading to Dianella. Tanya, good morning. Oh, good morning. Rain Yes. Hi, Tanya. Yeah. Hi. Um, I was wondering uh, if you could tell me where I could get a snowball tree, the Viburnum opulus sterile and also the Rondelicia or Rondelicia. I think I saw the snowball tree on Facebook this week at Melville Nursery, but I would ring them. I would ring them because I could be mistaken. Okay. And John, John's out there. He's our researcher. We'll get him to do a bit of a Google. Um, the Rondelicia is more difficult to get hold of. Mm. Um, I always thought in the back of my mind, John Cole's Nursery stock those. Again, it's a bit of a ring around, Tanya. Yes. Okay. Lovely. Um, but our listeners, our listeners yeah. are great. So yeah. Tanya, if yeah. if someone knows of something, we may get a call in before the end of the show. Oh, that's good. Thank you very much. That's lovely. Okay. okay. All right. Thank bye you. for now. Cheers. Bye. And let's head to Gosnell's talking about a mango tree. Joan, how are you? Hi there. Good. Thanks. Um, question for Chris about yes. my mango. It's in a pot still. And I'm going to plant it out. I've got the hole dug a bit and I've got it just sitting in there. I just wanted to know what's the best to put in the hole. And should I clip the centre out because it's just straight tall for about two, met- two metres tall, two and a half metres tall. Okay, first thing to do when you're transplanting from a container, just check the, the root ball to make yep. sure that, um, the, the, if it's been in quite a while, you could get a little bit of root binding. Yeah. And, uh, uh, mangoes will take just a little bit of loosening. I wouldn't advise um, with transplanting just to cut any roots back, but just tease them out with your fingers. Take off a little bit of the topsoil and put on some nice compost material. Uh, and particularly in the, in the new hole, of course, make sure that your, your planting hole is wide enough for the root ball uh, to take out. Don't, depending on uh, how, how old is your tree, Oh, look, I don't know. I've only had it uh, about 12 months, say. Oh, okay. Um, waiting yeah. to plant it out. So yeah. I don't know how old. All I know is that it's um, like about two to three metres tall. Yeah, all. okay. Yeah, so no, make sure your planting hole is enriched at the base with a little bit of, um, preferably if you can get pig manure or cow manure, and then make sure just to cover a little bit of soil over the top of that so you don't get any mm-hmm. root burning. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's not likely to happen anyway. And then make sure you fill in, of course, with a good potting mix or a, a good composted soil. What, what, what about sheep manure? Is that any good? Or is that <coughs> sheep the other manure better? is not as good as uh, pig manure. <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, pig manure is now coming onto the market a lot more. It was very hard to get, uh, but it's available in, in, um, in bags now and it's composted as well. But it's the okay. best manure to use as far as the breakdown of organic materials are concerned. Uh, okay. Yeah, so make sure you, you, you put in a good soil mix. And also, uh, yes, you can actually take out any dead wood 
to go back to the point of origin from where the dead wood has come and any crossing there's, over spindly growth on the centre. But I wouldn't advise to prune at all. Uh, yeah, it's just one tall tall thing, and I wondered if you could just chop it at the top to get it to spread. No, I wouldn't advise on transplanting any pruning really greatly at all. Let nature show you where okay. it wants to cut back, where it wants to die back. And uh, wait okay. a couple of weeks, and uh, nature will show you uh, how much the roots need to get that uh, amount of foliage to needs to recover the transplant. Okay. And it's always best just to, to follow what nature, and then you can come along and prune once nature shows you where the dead wood or spindly wood has died back. So with a... I just wanted to make it sort of spread so that it's not just one straight tall tree. Yeah, well, look, you can do that, but just after you transplant, uh, just wait a couple of weeks, as I say, until nature does. Okay. And then okay. Uh, head back, mostly sort of head back. And you can actually take back the sides of the canopy a little bit too, just reduce that a bit. And that will encourage uh, much more uh, vigorous growth and more dense growth as well too. Yeah. Okay. 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 Thanks, Chris. Thanks for your Much call, Jane. Thank you. Bye. Bye. And Carrie of Bigger Trees has phoned in and said she does have snowball oh. trees up at Bigger Trees. So for our previous oh. caller, that's a good start uh, if you want to pop up there and uh, have a look at the snowball trees at Bigger Trees. Thanks, good Carrie. On you, She's Carrie. on the ball today. She certainly is. <laughs> Fantastic. Yeah, but it's very helpful for us if we can get a solution for our listeners straight away. Now, Chris, another question that I've been getting asked is about cutting back frangipanis and yep. I know there's some people who've been waiting for an answer on this mm. so I, I'm guessing we're getting to the time we could start thinking about cutting them back although it's still been a bit cool hasn't it? Yeah yeah. Uh, with frangipanis I'd be just be careful about cutting them back uh, when the sap starts to flow because um, if you cut them back a little bit you'll see that they bleed yeah, quite prolifically and uh, that'll lose a lot of moisture and it takes a little bit of recovery so with frangipanis, I prefer just to cut them back in the non-growing season, generally winter before the, the spring growth, uh, and make sure when you cut them back, cut them back to that, uh, that, bark, that raised bark area, uh, uh, which branches out from the, 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 the lateral that they're growing from, the branch they're growing back. Don't leave a stub, in other words. Okay, so... <clears throat> I know some people want a more bushier plant. Yep. So yep. how and where do you cut back to to encourage it to branch out? Yeah. Again, I would uh, take uh, the first where you to cut back is to head it back. And that's the, the top of the plant. And then when you just cut it back, make sure you cut back to, if it's a small growth, back to the, the next shoot or the next uh, branch or look for a bud, uh, a dormant bud that uh, you can cut back to if it's a longer shoot. But reduce the, the top of the plant first and that will make it sort of spread out down below and encourage more low growth. Yep. And I guess for a lot of the plants, they haven't put on a lot of yeah. growth, so now yeah. is the, a good time to do it. Yeah, it's a good okay. time if they haven't sort of started to shoot. But just watch that, uh, that bleeding uh, and it'll dry up um, fairly mm. quickly. But it does set back a little bit, the, the plant, yeah. Okay, nine o'clock. 
And the temperature has jumped up to 17.1 degrees, heading for a sunny maximum of 23. The minimum overnight will drop down to 9, maximum tomorrow of 21, partly cloudy. And for Monday, partly cloudy with a maximum of 22. Now, our rainfall so far for October is sitting at 9.4 mils against a yearly total last year in October of 122.8. I just, unless there's a deluge of rain, <laughs> a rain between now and the end of October, I don't think we're going to uh, get anywhere near the rainfall we had last year. But we're still tracking nicely for the year overall, the total. Okay, we have so much going on here. I think we'll go, no, she's actually dropped offline, Tanya of Safety Base. Oh no, she's coming back. So we will, hopefully she's there. Tanya. Are you there, Tanya? Hello? Uh, no, this, no, this is Edith. Okay. Hi, Edith. How can we help you? Oh, well, I was just wanted to talk to the, the lady on the phone. Um, can we help? It's Ray and Faye and we're live on air for Let's Talk Gardening. Well, I just wanted to um, send an um, email, but it's not working. Uh, sorry, of an open garden that's on the 29th and the 30th of October. So, all right. Well, what we'll do, Tanya, is I'm going to put you on hold and... No, I'm not, I'm not Tanya. I'm Edith. Edith. Okay. <laughs> all right. Edith, I'm going to put you on hold and Bev will pick up your call on the other side. And we'll get the Thank details you. off you. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. All right. little bit of confusion there, guys. Now, Tanya of Dianella, you phoned in about the snowball tree. We do know someone who generously phoned in. They have a rondelicia tree and they're happy for you to take some cuttings, which now is the right time of the year for them to strike. So we can assist you with that as well if you want to give us a call back. So Tanya of Dianella, we can access a rondelicia tree for you to strike from. Generous listener out there, thank you very, very much because I know they're not that easy to find. So give us a call back. Hope you're listening. Okay, and we've got Gronje on the line, Ray, to talk about her book, Why Do Birds Do That? All right. Good morning, Dr. Gronje. How are you? I'm very well. How are you? We are well. You're with Ray and Faye and Chris this morning. Lovely. And you're based in Melbourne? I'm based in Melbourne, yes. How's it all going over there? What's your weather doing? Oh, it's actually really nice today, but I'm Good. in the city, so I'm in Richmond. But looking yeah. at the papers this morning, my God, half the state is underwater. I'm loving your accent. Oh, <laughs> thank you. Oh, uh, now I've got this gorgeous book in front of me. Why do birds do that? And I tell you what, I reckon mm. we ask ourselves questions like that all the time. One of the questions I have for you is why are they singing at night? Okay, so I love this question. First of all, we have to identify what bird is it and also what sex it is. So let's, the magpie is the one that keeps coming up for me. And the, the magpie will sing at night. If you think about the last few months, we've had a supermoon and we've had very bright full moons. Now, the magpies roost in trees at night when they're not sitting on the nest. And the trees at that time in the winter were without leaves. So you had this big, bright moon keeping the magpie awake. Now, we don't know whether it was the male or the female, but one hypothesis put forward is that what they're doing is warming up their focus. 
If you oh. think of going to a concert or going to an opera, the singer will usually do a lot of warm-ups before they perform. So singing, you know, these great songs that the magpies do, actually is very energy taken. So the bird uses a lot of energy. So if it practices during the night when it can't sleep, so why shouldn't, you know, it's nothing else to do, so it might as well practice. <laughs> it means, and also the night is very still. It's mm. very quiet. So your song will travel further as well. And it means that in the morning, then you're ready to go. Now, <laughs> there's, there's also another theory, though, that suggests that they're talking to the eggs, but it's the wrong season, but that could happen later on, or they're teaching the young the song. So, oh. you know, one of the big things is we, we're not sure when not the male and the female, and they might sing for different reasons. But there's two possible reasons. You can wonder about when you're lying in bed, listening to the magpie go at 3 a.m. You can say, yeah, he's just warming up his vocals. <laughs> oh, how beautiful. So yeah. what what inspired you to, to write this book? So I actually started doing a segment on ABC Canberra Breakfast Show with oh. Leash Fair. And every week, it was, it was called um, Good Things Come in Trees, or is called, I still do it. The public would often ask questions, or there would be a question from something in the media about birds that yeah, week. Yeah. And I would go and do my research about it and answer it the next day. And I, I you know, would do the research. I'd actually be writing on paper while, you know, reading from the computer to help answer the question. And I kept all these, you know, this all in one book. And then it was like, oh, my God, I've got a book here. So, you know, I just, I grew, it grew from that. And it was just the public. One of my first questions I was asked was, how come birds don't get blown off um, trees? Or how come they don't yeah. get blown off wires? You know, how, how can they? Yeah, and I hadn't prepared. And I was like, oh, they must do really good Pilates. They have a very strong core, don't they? That's all core, man. <laughs> but then I read that I actually found the reason. And it's got to do with a locking mechanism in their toes that yeah. actually lock. And that's why they don't get blown off. And birds walk on their toes. So that's what you see halfway up a bird's leg that you might think is a knee, is actually their ankle. Their knee is much further up under their plumage. Oh. So how do yeah. they manage, like, we, you know, we have storms and we always think, oh, the animals out there, what do the birds yeah. do? How do they cope? The same way? They just lock, lock down? So, so that's the knee mechanism, yeah. So ah. what they would do is that all, oh, that's the, the mechanism to stay on the branch. But what the birds will often do is gather in roosting flocks yeah. and go to a tree and kind of just all stay together for the warmth. But they're, they're, they've been evolving for a lot longer than us homo sapiens have been. And their feathers are completely water resistant yeah. because they interlock each strand on the feather is interlocked. The water can't actually penetrate through to the lower feathers, which are a different type of feathers to keep them warm. So the problem happens is if a bird gets caught in the rain and water somehow penetrates the feathers, maybe the feathers aren't in good condition, maybe the bird hasn't cleaned them, and the water actually gets through, that's when the bird is in real danger. Uh. So even though it can't fly, these floods could still be affecting them. Fascinating. All right. And the, the details of the feathers, if you look up closely through a, a macro lens or a microscope, they, yeah. they're they almost barbed. That's right. Yeah. Oh. Hooked. Hooked. Yeah. Hooked. So I, I have two glass here 
in um, Pat Galaz that are looking at, at me as I'm talking to you. And one of them dropped a feather the other day. And I was looking at it. And you can actually pull them apart and then pull, push them back together again, like a Ziploc bag. Oh. They just all fit and come in. And then my birds, and that's why feathers are so important. That's why birds spend something like, you know, when they're not foraging, they'll often spend a time grooming their feathers. So they, you know, they have this whole routine where they'll have the bird bath and then they might have a dust bath or, or they might go anting. And anting is where they actually pick up ants and rub ants along their bodies to use the ants as pesticides to help get rid of these lice. Oh. And, you know, and then, yeah, and then, you know, and then they'll, you know, they'll have the dust bath and the dust helps absorb extra oil, you know, and then they'll spend a big routine cleaning them all. So, yeah, feather maintenance is very important in the bird's world. Now, I'm glad I've got you here today because I have another pressing question. Oh, yes. I've had some white-browed scrub wrens nest, build a nest on or in a plant pot on my back veranda. Now, I've got dozens of these little birds around the garden at the moment, but I'm too scared to move the pot now. Will they be likely to reuse the nest or how many types of birds reuse nests or do they rebuild? This is a brilliant question and I hope you provide water for these little birds as well, especially just on on providing water. Think about providing water for the different birds that visit your garden. Put one on the ground maybe for your bigger birds but for your little little ants ants you're talking about, maybe some elevated water. Stick them in bushes. Or, you know, elevated mirror bush so the bird can have a, a bath and then quickly hide in vegetation. Because, as I said, they're most vulnerable when they are wet. Another idea is a big rock in the centre of your bird bath yeah. so the smaller birds can jump onto them. But with your question, yes, birds will often use a nest, especially if it's produced young the year before. So, what, so yeah, they, they definitely could come back and use it. So what you can do once they leave the nest, once the young have left the nest, is actually move the, the pot and then they will be less likely to use next year. But I think it's wonderful. Keep it. Why not? That's great. Oh, because I like to shuffle all my pots. So <laughs> now I've, I've got two because I've also got a terracotta basket on the wall with the geranium in it. And I went, I put the hose in to water that and out flew this bird yesterday. Mm. So, fabulous. yeah, That's it is. Fabulous. It's wonderful. So <laughs> plants and, come and the- second. The plants have to come back, you know, because these these birds will be struggling in um, areas where there are cats and there's foxes. So the fact that they are adapting and they're not using traditional nesting vegetation, they're actually adapting to your pots and they are surviving. That is brilliant. You're providing. Oh, good woman yourself. I would love that. (laughs) I have nothing but bloody patience visiting me. (laughs) Well... Yesterday I was watching the blue wrens dance through my rose garden. And, of course, you know, we get questions like, I've got aphids on my roses. What can I spray them with? You know, and I think nothing. Use water. You know, it's it's just good for the garden. You're not harming anything. There's no production. There's no miles in creating it. It's just natural. And the birds have got access to, to all the the food they need in my gardens because there's no chemicals used on on the plants. Oh, that is such a brilliant message. I love that message. And that's it. 
you know, and you might have to be patient because it takes time for the bird to discover your garden. So, you know, you have some in your garden, but let's say your neighbour. You know, if the neighbour leaves them alone, like you said, and just wait, the birds will find them. And this is another reason why we shouldn't poison, especially in the urban areas, because we have birds like falcons that can take pigeons and they are a rat. And if those pigeons or rats have been poisoned, it can go into the food yeah. chain. And it can, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, you know, again, don't poison. You know, let nature take its course. The more we can do in the urban area, the better to yeah. keep our birds. Grana, you are fascinating. So, so I, I think mm. we could have you on as a regular guest too. <laughs> I would love it. I'd be in chat away because I love your philosophy. It's just so good. Oh. How long have you been fascinated by birds? Oh, all my life. All yeah. my life. As a child, I was going around trying to save them. Constantly had a baby bird that I ended up killing by feeding it too much bread. Yeah. You know, it's like, go dig up a worm. And then as I got older, yeah, just the bird watching, just the fascination of them. And these were little blue tits and little robins in Ireland. Now I come to Australia, you guys have cockatoos. Oh my God, I'm never going home. <laughs> so yeah, when I came off the plane, I went more or less straight to a Dimmick's and bought my first bird book. Like, oh. And I, I just used to carry it around with me. Oh. And I would look at, I'd look up, you know, do you remember the first time I saw an ibis or a noisy miner? Fascinated. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, fell in love with the country very quickly. Ibe- so, ibis. Grenia, it's Chris here, sorry. Um, yeah. I've got a number of bird baths around our garden and I've found to attract the, the t- smaller birds, it must be fairly shallow with a high lip around the outside. Yeah. Uh, and that really gets the where they can stand really and flash their wings and so forth. And, and, there you and go. That works really well. But the other question I wanted to ask is, we've got a problem with magpies coming in and mm. eating our little pellets that we leave for the dogs. And <laughs> we've got now about six or seven, I think, magpies that are coming in regularly. And I have to cover the yeah. uh, the, the food for the dogs. And then the dog can't get it. So oh, just God. whether yeah. you have any other ideas on uh, putting yeah, the you're... magpies and getting them out to a natural source of food. Uh, look, this again is adaption to urban areas. Yeah. That food, those pellets you feed your dog are probably really good quality pellets. And the bird is like, help, I want some of that. Mm. So, yeah, it's just interaction in your back garden. Just, and this is one of the reasons why they do so well, because there's so much human food in yeah. the urban area yeah. that they yeah. can rely on. And there's artificial nesting structures. But, yeah, that's, yeah you're just going to have to try that out with the magpie and good luck. With, good luck <laughs> yeah, yeah, good luck. Yeah. Very <laughs> intelligent. A lot more persistent, Yeah. <laughs> And we've got a question as well for you, Grognier. Um And the lady would like to know, she has a Nakeen heron visiting her fish pond. Is this common in WA? Wow, that's amazing. So I have been hearing reports of these birds moving more and more into urban areas. So fish is getting more of a limited food source as we use it. And under herrings of competing against other birds. Yeah. So it's coming into the urban areas. It, that's a really good sign. And I'm sorry if it's eating your fish, but again, you know, you're keeping a native species in an urban area. Like, that's just fantastic. Yeah. Okay. Nankeen night herons, yes. They're, they're beautiful. They're, they're very cursed by people who love their fish. We've lost oh. a few, a yeah. few goldfish from them, yeah. Do, do they eat frogs as well? 
I think they do. Now, mm. I'm not, don't know, there's not yeah. too much written about that diet, but I think they're a bit opportunistic like that. Yes. And we'll try and probably go after skinks as well. That will be seen around the garden. Oh, it's been fascinating talking to you today. Thank you very much you. for joining right. us. Oh, my pleasure. Anytime. And yep, why do birds do that? Go out and buy it. Well, we've got three of your fabulous book to give away to our listeners right now, Gronje, and we thank you for Brilliant. that. So we'll Brilliant. be giving that away to our listeners very, very soon. And we'd love to have you back on the show. Thank you for the oh, inspiration. Definitely. Oh, my pleasure. Have a great one. You thank too. Thank you. Cheers. Bye. Do birds suddenly appear every time you are near? Just like me, they long to be close to you. Why do stars? All right, if you'd like to be one of the lucky listeners to win. Why do birds do that? From Dr. Gronier Cleary. You've just uh, heard Dr. Gronier chatting with us. If you'd like to win this book, it will be sent to you. Give Bev a call now on 94841927. Curtain Radio. 24 minutes after nine, you are with Ray and Faye. This is Let's Talk Gardening and with our special guest in the studio, Chris Oliver. 10 o'clock, we'll have the classic 60s as well with George Minoldi coming up for you. Now, um, Bill of Williton wanted to know if you could repeat your fruit fly recipe, Faye. All right, I will come back to that yeah. because it's in my papers, right? Okay, and uh, I think the lines are very busy with everybody wanting a copy of that book. I don't blame you. We've got a book in front of us and uh, it's gorgeous and uh, a nice fat book and uh, lots of good reading and uh, she was amazing wasn't she wasn't she just um a trooper yeah. i feel all like i'm buzzing, buzzing now yeah, yeah. <laughs> and your your outro with the um the Did song you like that i loved it yeah i was really in the zone so getting back to gardening nina has sent us in an email um Good one for Chris it is. My weeping willow tree split in the middle of the trunk and one of the branches broke and we cut it off. It's still green and healthy but wondered if there's some sort of big tape to wrap around the split to keep it in place and would appreciate some advice. Well, Chris, I know you are the master of tree physiology and rejuvenation. And tree surgery. It's, it's a tree mm. surgery uh, uh, skill here. If the, um, the split is on a young tree, you, it's best to get the, uh, the proper tree tie material because it's thicker. It's about a centimetre thick. Don't use twine or anything like that because that can tend to ring bark eventually if you forget it's there. So just bind it round thick if it's a young tree uh, and it's only a small diameter trunk and then really uh, use that tape to bind the two sides together. If it's an older tree, uh, the, and you've got sufficient width of the diameter, draw, bore a hole through with a, uh, a special drill that can go through. You can get these long drills and then put a bolt through with a large uh, washer either side and tighten it up just so that it brings the, the two sides together. 
and you can leave it there. If you use a stainless steel bolt, it won't uh, affect the, the tree in any way. And that will then sort of bring the two sides together and cause the, uh, the natural callus material to unite the, the tree again. And eventually the tree will grow over those two uh, washes either side. Uh, That's so. really interesting that you can use a bolt. And it reminds me of the trees that were placed into the gardens at the casino. Yeah. Up up near the entrance. If yeah. you have a look at the trunks, yeah. you can see the holes yeah. where they actually lifted these large mature trees. Yeah. Which they then later filled with um, like a, a filler. Yeah. Like a handyman yeah. type yeah. filler. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, true. You can get the, the fillers to sort of uh, in, when you're transplanting because that gives you sort of an anchor point to, to move it. Um, you can use that expander foam material uh, really quite well, and that particularly also if you've got cavities. But that's another tree surgery skill we can talk about later on. Yeah. For sure. Now, I just want to check whether this is actually a call sitting here because we tried before, and mem remember, we went to Edith. Mm. Let's just see, just in case. Tanya. Yes. You are there. Oh, thank you. thank you for waiting. Oh, that's all right. I was waiting, waiting, and all of a sudden, boom, the phone went down. I thought, oh, what's going on here? Anyway, I've got a question I'd like to find out from you. I have a lawn which has lots and lots of weeds on it, so I had it mowed, and I put uh, weed and feed on it, and I watered it in, and now I want to put a soil worker on, a granulated soil worker, and I just want to know, when can I put that on? Yeah, I wouldn't recommend a granulated uh, soil wetter at all because what happens is they uh, are very absorbent to moisture and it can swell out and it can actually stop any rainfall coming through as well eventually. And uh, um. it can cause a mat uh, which attracts fungi and things <coughs> like that too. So, so use a liquid, if you use soil wetter or use a liquid soil wetter uh, and generally... Um, it it's, can be expensive on wide areas, larger areas. It's more of a spot sort of thing if you've got, um, for example, around azaleas and things like that, or camellias that have, where the soil is compacted a little bit uh, as sort of a spot um, application. And uh, generally they'll work, but follow up, follow up with the liquid fertiliser. Yeah. Uh, or you can actually combine the liquid fertiliser with the soil wetter. It's a better okay. way to go. Unfortunately, it's lawn and it's a big area, yep. and I'm having I'll be having trouble carrying the heaviness of the soil water in a in a liquid form. Tanya, I yeah. perhaps you could consider delegating this one. I know I've had to <laughs> recently, yes. because lawn yeah. mowing contractors are geared up. You know, Do I this have sort of thing. I mm -hmm. have the same trouble, yep. and uh, I I can tell you that they have access sometimes to better products. Yeah. That will give a give you better results, and I too have tried the granular, and it did not seem to improve my lawn. Perhaps because you need to activate them, like get there with a the hose and get them to foam yeah, up, and that's not yeah. always possible. So yeah. you know you you might investigate looking at other alternatives yeah. for good results. So, so who do I? Who do I contact the, the lawn mowing people? Do uh, I turf who... Association, local lawn mowing contractors, uh, recommendations from 
friends or neighbours who've got really nice looking lawns and just looking <laughs> in the street when you see, you know, a guy with a trailer and a mower. Stop, yeah. Ask yeah. around, yeah. get quotes. Well, I, I and, had some and of the turf professional growers mowers. as well too might turf help growers. you out, I, yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. Now, what I want to know is can, when can I put this on? Because I've just put the weed and feed on. Any time now. Yep. So, so it doesn't matter, it doesn't hurt being combined? No, no. no. Two, two different products. As long as you followed the instructions on your weed and feed and uh, watered or not watered when it's said, then you're good to go. Okay, thank you. And would, the gentleman said Turf, I got Turf. Turf Growers Association. Turf Growers, lovely. And they'll be able to put me onto something. And can I buy that locally in the... Normal hardware store? Do they have? Do they have to buy? Well, if you actually get someone to come out and do it for you, they yeah. will have it. Oh, you don't okay. have to buy it at all. Yeah, I wouldn't uh, necessarily put it on at the same time, because no, I, you've I, got the problem I, of dilution of the weed and yeah. feed, which may not be as effective if you put it on at the same, the wetter on at the same time. So. Just leave yeah, an interval of about a week or two weeks and then you'll find it a little bit more And then go again. Yeah. Thanks, Tanula. Take care. No worries. Okay. Cheers Thank for you. that. All right, bye. bye. And we've got an apricot tree question coming up and we're talking about wisteria. Now, we also have an open garden tomorrow. It's situated in Baldivis. It looks... Everything is there. It's quite a formal garden. Uh, you'll find sweeping lawns, crisp, neat hedges and gorgeous standard roses in formal beds, along with a productive fruit and vegetable area. It's called Wren's Nest. It's open tomorrow. They even have classic cars on display. There will be a sausage sizzle. There's water features. It is wheelchair friendly and it's located at 808. That's 808 Wilkins. What's wrong, Faye? Uh, today for, isn't. Oh, hang on. What's the date today? Oh, it's the tomorrow. Fifteenth. Today's. What's the, my it? dates? Today's say the fifteenth. Okay. It is today. today. Thank you. Correct. Pardon me. That's okay. I'm only That's a day right. behind myself. <laughs> it's okay. Now, okay. So it is on today. So that will be. I'm just having a quick look here. It's open from 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. All right. So that's in Baldivis today. Pardon me. And uh, everything is there. Grevilleas, deciduous trees. Obviously, there's roses. There's chicken coops and there's uh, great, gorgeous sculptures. Uh, everything is there. It looks absolutely magnificent. And uh, there's a huge list of, uh, there of things for you to go and look at. So that's 808 Wilkinson Road in Baldivis today, 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. Wren's Rest. It's wheelchair and pram friendly and no dogs allowed. Correct. Okay. So Sounds like a great one to visit. Okay. And uh, now people are asking where we, the book can be purchased. Well, gee, I think you just have to... She said Dimmix. Oh, okay. Okay. So uh, there, there you go. Uh, ring around to, to find the book. And the books have all been won, by the way. Uh, of course they have. They went like little hotcakes. All right. <laughs> let's go and talk about an apricot tree. Lee, good morning. Oh, good morning. Um, I have a question. I've just I bought a dwarf apricot tree last week, uh, and I'd prepared the soil ready for to plant it. So when I went out to plant it this morning, one of the branches is leaking sap. It's a clear sap, 
and I was just wondering if it's going to be any good. Has it uh, been damaged, Lee? Like, did did it get no. knocked or? No. no, well, not not by me. Okay. So it hasn't. So I guess what, yeah, I want to know if it's been knocked yeah, and broken or is there a sign yeah. of a borer? Like what sort of damage is around the, uh, the weeping area? Well, there, there doesn't seem to be any damage. Okay. Doesn't yeah, it's unusual for apricot, young apricots, um, particularly to, to weep like that. Uh, it sounds like it could be sort of infected with, uh, uh, as Faye says, some sort of insect borer to stimulate that um, that weeping effect, the sap coming out, because the sap is flowing really quickly at this time of the year. Um, but um, what you could do is, when you're putting it in, make sure that you're you're doing your pruning is mainly aimed at training the tree. Okay. Yeah. Uh, initially, it's not for pruning for fruit. So if you select the normal vase framework type system, then of course you should sort of select three. Three new shoots, particularly that are going to form the start of your uh, your training framework system. Yeah, it's only got the three yeah. shoots on it actually. That's good. All right, keep, uh, an, keep an eye on it yeah. and and see if there's any further evidence. If it gets worse, send us in a photo. Yep. And I can forward yep. it to Chris, and we can follow up. And you can, one thing can help a little bit, you can buy a product called SteriPrune and it's a uh, product which sort of has an antifungal agent in it and uh, you can pick that up at most hardwares and just spray a little bit of that on it or you can actually buy uh, a liquid which you can paint on and that's probably better just to, to dab a little bit of the SteriPrune on the infected wound. Oh, okay. Hmm. I just, um, yeah, I was disappointed actually because it looked fine when I bought it yeah, uh, when yeah. I got it from the shop um, and I've only had it for a week so mm. yeah. so it might be a response to some something but keep an eye yeah. on it and that yeah. may have arrived since you got it home Lee oh okay mm. okay yep All thanks right. for your call you. cheers for that alright let me see well, looking at the time here let's go to Belga, we're talking about a wisteria. Rob, good morning. Yes, good morning. Are you all okay? We are. Yes, thank you. A little bit crazy, but that's all right. <laughs> Fighting fit here, Rob. <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah, okay. Uh, it's about this wisteria. Um, we drove past one the other day, and it was just a mass of blooms. It, it looked beautiful. And uh, uh, my brother-in-law remarked that they've had one for about 20 years, and it's never bloomed. How, how can that be? Hmm. Uh, is it producing, do you know whether it's producing enough um, vegetative growth, not, not stem and leaf yep. growth? Yep, it does yeah. all that. But Growing it's, vigorously. It's do they prune yeah. it? Yeah, do you, uh, do you prune it? Yeah, good point. Oh, I'm not sure about that. Uh, I, I don't really know. Um, I if, don't think so. I if, don't think they've ever touched it, but it just never blooms. Okay. If it is pruned and if it is being done at the wrong time, it be they could be yep. cutting, cutting off, off all the, the blooms. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. That would be about the only thing, though, would it? 
The other thing that you can look at is, is a lot of plants like wisteria, and it happens with fruit trees as well too, um, have a period, if it's a young wisteria, uh, of just producing leaf and, uh, and stem growth, vegetative right. growth in other words, for a couple yeah, of years before they actually get enough hormone uh, to produce Ooh. and set flowers and uh, so that may be if it's a young plant. Now, how old is it, Rob? You were saying it's been there for a while. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, to their knowledge, about 20 to 30 years. I know, I'm almost sure it's down at Dawesville. Oh. They, they have a... Uh, uh, they, yeah, the other thing, Rob, is that um, they may be feeding it too much and too much nitrogen, which is uh, oh. in causing too much vegetative growth. So okay. um, just check on the, the amount of fertiliser yeah. they're feeding with it and the type uh -huh. of fertiliser. Yeah. Yeah. So That's I've, a distinct possibility. If they yeah. haven't pruned it, I would prune yeah. it and yeah. I would look at uh, a potassium fertiliser yeah. or something for flower for sure. and fruit. Potassium. Yeah. yeah. And you spoke about hormones just, uh, just a little while ago. Yep. And I know how to make a hormone. You don't pay it. <laughs> noise. Very noise. Thank you. Different That's, type of growth hormone. That's yeah. changing the demeanour of the show. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Rob. Take care, love. Thank you. Bye. 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 All right. Now, we mentioned to you earlier, have your pencil ready, your pen ready, because there's a lot going on. This weekend and next weekend. Next weekend, Amanda's Garden Fate. So on the 22nd and the 23rd of October, 10 a.m. to 4.30 p.m. Okay, and it's located in Southern River. That's um, on the junction of Margaret and Madison Streets in Southern River. Now, it's a sensational garden and uh, rather well known and it gets better and better every year and the highlights of the garden are of course their roses uh, water features a monet bridge and colorful cottage garden plants there's an array of gorgeous canopy trees and clivias azaleas and camellias and salvias and <laughs> poppies and irises and forget-me-nots it just goes on and on and on it's a must-see garden and uh, there's a paddy's market there there's art displays a sausage Sizzle, sizzle, Devonshire teas, uh, everything is there. It's just an absolutely beautiful day out. Uh, it's on behalf of the Amanda Young Foundation, uh, and it's uh, obviously going back to when Amanda passed away at the age of 18 uh, from meningococcal sepsis. Okay, so this garden is in memory and in support of that, and the proceeds go to uh, the Meningococcal Society. And if you'd like to know more, there is a website, amandayoungfoundation.org.au. Again, Faye, I feel you're busting to say something. Oh, but wait, there's more, Ray. So this is the, <laughs> yeah, okay, are we jumping to another garden? Two. Because I need to go to a break. So let's do them on the other side. And okay. And listeners can catch their breath. Curtain Radio. Your turn to let's go talk gardening. We're doing our best to keep up with everything this morning. We've got emails. We've got so many things going on here. Faye. Right. Thanks to Jared from um, the Mandra Arts Festival giving us details that the Mandra Bonsai Club are at the Eastern Foreshore in Mandra today, 15th of October, for a um, an event, Bonsai, Come and Try. Come okay. and try bonsai. So okay. that's on today. Um, and Tilly, who I know from dancing. G'day. Thank you for letting us know about this fabulous weekend of wildflowers and verticordias. 
Growing Wild and En Mass. A great day trip to Wongan Hills and it's the Ren- Reynoldson Reserve Wildflower Festival. It's the 29th of October, so a little bit of um, time to to get warned about it. They're also having a sundown on the Friday the 28th of October at the station. Entertainment by Ari Davis. Uh, for more details, Wongan Hills Tourism. Okay. So, good one to know about. And I've got a couple of emails. Ray, oh. will I do them now? or uh, Let's get a couple of calls done and okay. then we'll go back to those as well. Now, let me see. Who was first cab off the rank? We're in Bosnell's. John, good morning. John, hello. Hi. Oh, very faint. Are you, you there, John? Hear you, John. Yeah, yeah, I'm here. No, there's something wrong with the line. John, I'm going to ask you to call back, Squire, because we can't hear you and I can't see on our side as as why we can't hear you. If we could get you to call back, we'll put you straight to air. All right, that wasn't happening, guys. Uh, let's go to Waterman's Bay, lovely part of the world. Janice, good morning. Good morning. How are you, Ray and Faye? We're Very well. good, thank you. And your lovely guest. I, I don't know his name, unfortunately, because Chris. I've just sort of turned on. Chris, hi, hi Chris. Hi, hi. hi. Um, I'm hoping you can help me. I have a frustration in that I have not been able to grow a citrus tree. And my good friend looked at my little blood orange the other day and said, oh, it's all coming from below the graft. So I'm wondering, oh, my goodness, I'm going to have to yank you out too. So he's been in there for five years. Nothing's happened. Um, I have a um, also a, a navel orange, which I've transplanted, and it's looking green and okay, But um, it, and it's been in there for, oh, my goodness, how many years? Uh, you name it, um, probably 20 years, and I think I've got two oranges off it. So... I've transplanted it, still alive, but no fruit. The, the, um, yes, I have no success with citrus. And what I'm wanting to do is to graft now because I bought a citrus tree off gum tree and unfortunately it flowered like it's in a huge pot, still remains in a huge pot. It must be at least two and a half metres tall in a big pot. Um, and it's flowers like mad, but unfortunately the fruit are very soft skin, mandarin-like. Um, not very nice tasting so I think also it's from a you know it's coming from below the graft I think it's but it's very strong and I want to graft good quality citrus onto it Um, the good quality citrus this is the frustration I have because I I I absolutely pour heaps of fertilizer water and love into these citrus and nothing happens but on a block that's near us or near my daughter which is who's close to us there's a tree on the on the verge um, of the land, uh, the council land and the property, and it has no attention during the whole of summer. And it, in winter, the fruit off this citrus tree, this navel orange is amazing. The yeah. whole neighbourhood, including myself, get fed by this tree. So I want to take some cuttings from this tree and graft it onto the tree that I've bought. It's in the tub that does not produce reasonable oranges. Okay, Janice, let's, uh, we'll let Chris answer that for you. Chris, you've got two minutes. Yeah, oh, quickly, very quickly <laughs> then. Um, definitely you've grafting. got... Uh, Give me uh, some growth. good hints about grafting. Should I chop it off and just have it... Janice, so we need we, you let, to let us answer let you. Chris. Okay, okay. Sure. Yep. very quickly, yep. the first thing you need to do is to take off, if it's an older tree and there's a lot of growth from below the, the graft, as you've said, then t- remove that completely, okay? 
yes. and then you need to feed up the tree. Just check the pH for sure. Uh, it yes. must be between 6.5 and 7.5. You can get a little indicator from one yes. of the hardwares to tell you that yes. one quickly. And uh, feed yes. it up, of course, with a potassium-type fertiliser around the drip line for sure. Okay. Right. Uh, yes. So uh, with the grafting idea, the form of grafting with citrus is generally in the form of budding. They don't budding. take too well on short uh, sections of stem like a graft okay. would normally do. So you need to do the budding. Right. And what you yeah. can do, if you've got a, a section, another way is to, to cut the, uh, the growth back quickly from below the graft and leave one stem, take okay. down the, the rest of the plant and try and bud that one. Uh, it must be at least pencil thickness, of course, to put the bud in. Uh, and that would okay. give you a new shoot, which could, if the bud grows, will go back to a proper uh, species of citrus. Yep. So the bud that I put on from the desirable citrus tree has to be pencil thick. Is that correct? Yeah, pencil. The the well, the yeah, the bud right. should be right. well formed. You can see yes. the little bud uh, primordia beginning to yes. grow. It shouldn't be a dormant bud. It should be one that's okay. just sort of um, uh, looks. You can see the bud is there, and okay. it should be All on right. a wood at least pencil thickness. Yeah, for sure. And how long? How long should it be? When well, I chop the off bud, the um, it takes a little bit of a technique just to get that one, but uh, you should use a budding knife to cut, and the yeah. bud the bud itself should have a little bit of wood on it, the basis. Yes. It gets a bit technical yes. here. And then, of course, you um, uh, take a small slither, about one to two centimetres. Make sure the okay. same amount of wood either side of the bud, on the bud that okay. you're taking. Uh, that's okay. important, otherwise the bud All cannot right. take. Okay, all we right. need Thank to go to a break so now, so we'll continue okay, after the break. Thanks, Janice. Thank you, bye. Bye. Okay, thank you. All right, and just quickly, Ruth from Port Kennedy, do aphids affect fruit trees? Definitely, yes. Definitely. Particularly citrus aphid, yeah. Okay, Yeah. back in a moment. Curtain Radio. This is Let's Talk Gardening, yeah, and we're yes. in Gosnells. We're trying to get John back. I hope we can hear you better, John. Hi, John. Hi, can you hear me now? Much better. Go ahead. Right, right. Well, we've got the problem, the eternal problem with weeds. Um, what's happened is um, we've got a standard fence because of the back place, and um, weeds have grown, they've grown between the bo bottom slat of the fence and the rest of the fence. And when I try and pull them out, they're obviously that deep-rooted that they just, when I try and pull them out by hand, they're just breaking off. I've also got one or two places between slabs where the weeds have the same problem. I'm a bit reluctant to use a weed killer because we've got two pet dogs and I'm a bit concerned you know, from that point of view. There's a couple so, of products, John, that are basically organic uh, yeah. on the market now that really do knock off the tops of them. They don't always kill the roots. But the thing is, a lot of our weeds are annuals, so they are dying down now anyway. Right. So they right. they do stop things looking unsightly and they do, do yeah. give you a nice quick finish. The other thing you can do is get a sharp knife and just cut them off at ground level. Right. Slasher okay. is the. I'll try one. Sorry. The name of the organic one, which doesn't affect pets, is called Slasher. And that's the one slasher. that Jay's talking about that uh, just kills the top growth. And that we'll right. see within a couple of hours as they begin to wilt. 
uh, right. very quickly. Okay. So well, there that, you go. Brad's name is Slasher. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, okay. Well, Thanks. I'll try. We'll try that. Thanks for Thanks, your call, John. John. Okay, right. Bye. And let's go to Waterman's Bay. Uh, Marion, thanks for waiting. That's okay. How are you? Yeah, Ref. very good. Just thank you. We've got five minutes to the end of the <laughs> yeah. show and okay. lots to get lots, through. Yeah. That's okay. It's a very quick question. I was given some of those coffee grounds that you get, that they get from the you know, the coffee machines yes. in the ex- Service Express to places. Can you put that on your garden? Because I've heard different uh, stories about that. You can do whatever you like. Yep. Personally, I probably put mine into my worm farm or compost or bin. Compost, yeah. And right. it, it adds to the biodiverse yep. mix that then goes But it won't. Well, I haven't got one of them. So if I just sprinkle it around, what I wanted to know was, do I need to dilute it in or will it be okay if I just put it in as it is? Just sprinkle it just lightly sprinkle around it your garden. On the ground. If, yeah. if you can I mix it with a bit of manure, like um, uh, sheep, okay. not sheep manure, but cow manure or pig manure, yeah, and yeah. then apply it in that way, yeah. Okay, good. No, it's all right. I just wanted to know if it was safe to put on the garden because I've heard of varying... No, it's fine, Marion. Okay, good. That's Thank all I you. need to know. Thank, Thank you. Thank you for your show. Very interesting. <laughs> Thanks, Marion. Okay. <laughs> okay, and we're in Ellenbrook. Yvonne, hi. Uh, hello. I've got a few fig trees and uh, they are probably four or five years old and on the new growth there are nice figs but on the old growth, it looks like there is nothing. So basically, what is the best time to prune them? Um, and um, uh, somewhere on YouTube I've seen, um, unless you prune them, um, they just grow, 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 and in the end you can't reach them, figs. Yeah, just thin out the, the, the dormant wood in winter with figs. They're, they're deciduous, of course, and uh, just thin out any, any sort of weak growth and just begin your training system for it to get a nice shape that's manageable. Yep. Okay. Thank you so much. Yeah, easy. One of the easiest plants to grow. Enjoy, <laughs> Yvonne. Thank Cheer- you. Cheers. Okay. And the gardening show today was sponsored by DeSacco Mulch. Make your garden grow with DeSacco Mulch, available at all leading garden centres. So, Chris, we haven't got long to go, but one thing I really want to talk about that people have been asking about is grafting avocados. Yep. So when to do it, how to do it, and can we follow up with the workshop? Yeah, for sure. Answer to all those questions is now is a good time when the sap is flowing, uh, but try and get buds, of course, and use the budding technique not necessarily uh, wood grafting, but the budding technique. And it's good to do now. Select your buds and you must put the bud in straight away after you use it. You mustn't let it dry out at all. That's important. And bind the bud in very closely with some translucent budding tape. Uh, I generally like to cover the budding tape until you see take is concerned. But we could have a, um, uh, a workshop be fantastic on budding, which we can demonstrate to you. Uh, how it's done and uh, the the uh, the things that we need to have of course is a good pencil thickness size stem uh, and that may take two seasons to develop to get that good size where there's a little bit of wood in it uh, and we can talk about um, preparation f- uh, of the stock material the actual budding process and that aftercare all those three aspects are most important to getting take 
So what I propose is that people um, eating avocados now get yeah. growing. Yeah. Uh, start growing your avocados yep. from seeds. Yep. You plant them pretty much straight away. They're most yep. viable at that time. Yep. And we will follow up with with a date probably a year from now sure. to get this happening. Yeah. Okay. okay, and you'd like a couple of emails. I do. So this came from Pam of Linwood. She sent him photos of a couple of palms. One is a Kentia. She wasn't sure what the other one is, and I suspect it is probably an Alexander. She's noticed that on one of the palms, the the leaves coming out, uh, they emerge as brown, fully developed, and open as normal. But for the last couple of years, one has been producing new fronds which have no colouring at all and this can happen I would just be checking that they do um, develop the colour after they, yep. they've hardened yep. off yep. Um, and I'm not sure about that I can't tell from the email if they are developing uh, their colour after the time so I need more information about that and Pam from Karen Up has sent us in a beautiful iris flower and it's a walking iris. Yeah. And it's a clumping plant, looks like a kangaroo paw. Oh, yeah. And it puts out uh, more, yeah. more shoots that fall to the ground, develop mm. roots mm. and create a new plant. So that's yeah. a lovely one to have in Cheers. the garden. Yeah. And quickly from last weekend, Kay sent in a photo of leaf spots on a rickrack cactus, Cryptocerus and Theanus is the name of it and Lorraine diagnosed this uh, she felt that it was fungal and recommends cutting off the infected straps and putting them in the bin yep. so, and I'll also, also last, yesterday I emailed you from one of our listeners about a fruit fly issue that she had we were going to bring up her email today do you have it? I don't have it with you Remember, I sent it through yeah, to yeah, you. Yeah, yeah, and so we've talked about the fruit fly and creating the traps. Uh, fruit fly on passion fruit, generally they will sting them, but they're not yeah. enough. The The skins are too hard to but do yeah, any yeah, damage. Yeah. So uh, making up the fruit, yeah. fruit fly baits and hanging them All right, around so you the have garden. a recipe that um, some listeners would like repeated. We will get John to post that yep. on the Curtain Radio Facebook page? Uh, usually he posts on the Let's Talk Gardening Facebook page. So he'll put up a photo of today's morning tea, a link to the podcast. So people so, need to Google Let's Talk Gardening Facebook. Well, they go to Facebook, Let's Talk Gardening. Yeah. Yeah. And one and quick thing, if you've got a locust tree, just bear in mind the locust is one of the main hosts to fruit fly. So you have to use baits and lures for your other fruit trees if you've got a locust tree. Okay. Um, Chris, we could have you in here for another hour. We could do another hour of the show today. It's it's that time of the year. I'd like to think we could get you back between now and Christmas. And we were also talking off air, weren't Not we, too. about maybe doing a demonstration next year at Faze Garden yeah. and listeners can come yeah. along and see you in action and... Uh, yeah. We'll organise something That'd like great. that to happen. I'd love to. Next year's yeah. the year yeah. of workshops yeah. in my garden. Workshops. Okay. Yeah. Look, um, big morning. Thanks, everyone. Uh We've had a lot of fun. <laughs> Just still trying to catch our breath. And thanking Bev Daring and John Glidden. Coming up next, George Mnoldy with the classic 60s. Gardenism is my gardenism today is about a cactus 
I will not be another flower picked for my beauty and left to die. I will be wild, difficult to find and impossible to forget. Happy gardening, everyone. Have fun. We hope you've enjoyed listening to another edition of Let's Talk Gardening on Curtain Radio. Happy gardening.